Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. Sports Talk Mississippi's Brian Haydad, along with Robbie Falk from 24-7 Sports, give you an inside look at the Bulldogs on the field, the court, and the diamond. Now, get ready for Thunder and Lightning. This is Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Brian Haydad and Robbie Falk with you on a Thursday morning. Thanks for joining us at supertalk.fm or wherever it is you get podcasts from. I appreciate all of our great listeners, especially our servicemen and women out there taking care of us. I think that adds to the realism of the show that every day I have to, I have that moment where I'm like, what day is it? Every day. It's like, it, on a, uh, yeah, and then I eventually get it. Well, the problem is you have to think about when this is going to be posted. And, and I've been doing it all these years. you think I would just know it by now. I already have trouble enough remembering what day it actually is. Yeah. Much less when this is supposed to be airing. Yeah, yeah. And especially in, like, in this case, we have an interview. I did that interview yesterday, yesterday. Like, actual yesterday. So, Tuesday. Tuesday. So, yeah. <laughs> you know. we got to get back in the swing here. We're doing I, it. I thought yesterday's show was really good. Oh, it was great. It's great. So, yeah. So. We'll see how this one goes. Oh, it's going to be a good show. We got a, a couple of good interviews, so that'll help. That'll help us out a lot. I want to thank our sponsors over at Strange Brew Coffee House and Churning Spoon Ice Cream. That battle's still going on. I don't think I'm going to involve myself any further in that. Uh, but I will tell you that Strange Brew Coffee House is the place to start every, your morning. Every morning when you're here in Starkville, swing by there, swing through the drive-through on Highway 12, head over to the uh, University Drive walk-up window, and before you head to work. Grab yourself a beverage that'll get your day started the right way. Great service, great people, and of course, great products every single time at Strange Brew Coffee House. College Corner and collegecornerstore.com. That is the place to be when you're looking for maroon and white merchandise. You don't want to have to wait around. You want to get to the game. You want to get to the tailgate. You want to hang out in Starkville with your friends. You don't want to have to waste time hanging out at the store. Make those purchases before you get to Starkville and do it at College Corner corner. Two locations to serve you in the Jackson area. They're original by Fleet Feet. They're inflowed by the half shell. You can always shop online at collegecornerstore.com. Humble Taco, Starville's newest and best Mexican restaurant. Mexican fare with Mississippi roots. They were doing some uh, specials today and I had forgotten about something. The Mexican smoked wings that they have. Ooh, I haven't had those. Have, have you? you not? Yes, I have. Really good? They are good. Well, well, they, uh, next they time we go there, we'll have to get some. They have some. like a Chipotle ranch and Ooh. then they have when you go to Japanese steakhouse, you get the yum yum sauce, the pink sauce. Oh yeah, they have a Mexican version of it. Ooh, so it's like a it's little a spice. little spicy. Yeah, it has a little chipotle. Yeah. yeah. Okay. The Mexican yum yum sauce comes with those wings. It's delightful. Well, we'll get that next time we go. We absolutely will. And of course, anytime you go to Humble Taco, you're getting a, an incredibly unique uh, Mexican food experience that you can't get anywhere else. So come by, grab some chips and salsa, and grab some tacos like you've never had before at Humble Taco. Here's the question of the day, Robbie Falk. Saturday's game with, with Alabama. You know, obviously it's an upset if Mississippi State wins. There's no getting around that fact. State is a 17-point underdog at this point. They haven't beaten Alabama since 2007. We'll hit on that a little bit later. Um, if you look at the last five meetings, Robbie, <laughs> it's, not, it's not pleasant uh, for Mississippi State. Obviously in 2017 the game was close, 31-24. Other than that, 
2015. This is Dak Prescott's senior year, 31-6, uh, 24-0, 38-7, and 41-0. So a friend of mine, my friend Brian McDuff, did the math. If you added up the last uh, five games against Alabama, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, I guess it's six games, 20, if you added up those six games and all the points and just put them into last year's game, you still lose 41-40. Yep. You know what What I've found interesting? I've seen way more close scores on this game than I can remember people predicting. Back in the old days, yeah. Because Oh, this, year, this, week, this week, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, because um, Alabama seems vulnerable. You, you you put out the the S and P, I think, or yeah, and it was what uh, eleven point, point 10, ten point. I mean, when was the last time yeah. you can remember it was that? I mean, twenty fourteen. So this state used to have. Tell me if you disagree with this. It used to be every year state would get blown out by LSU, mm-hmm. but would play Alabama close. The defense would would, would do step well. up. The offense. The Never only time. Anything. The only time the offense looked. Competitive yeah. was 2014 and 2017. Well, this, I'm going back to like Jackie. <clears throat> yeah, like State would they couldn't stay in the game with LSU, but the Alabama games were always tight. Yep. And then it switched somewhere, and now the LSU games are always tight, but Alabama blows Mississippi State out. It was the opposite for Ole Miss. They would play LSU tight, and Alabama would just waste them every year. Yeah. And I don't know if it, it hasn't really switched there, but it, it has. they got a couple of wins. Yeah. And then last year was competitive, but yeah, other, the uh, yeah. The the most of the time they're getting blown out like Mississippi State right. is, but not but not really. It, Ole Miss is getting blown out, but they're they're putting points on the board. When you look at Alabama a season ago, there were they had three outstanding defensive performances against State, Kentucky, and Arkansas. They only gave up six points total. Other than that, though, nineteen to Missouri, twenty four to A and M, forty eight to Ole Miss, twenty four to Georgia, seventeen to Tennessee, thirteen to Auburn, seventeen to LSU. 46 to Florida, 14 to Notre Dame, and 24 in the national championship game. Teams can score on Alabama, but mm-hmm. but Mississippi State hasn't done it in three years. Yep. So I guess my question, the question I have is this: this game on Saturday, is it going to be more about what Mississippi State does, or is it going to be more about what Alabama fails to do? I think it's going to be more about what Mississippi State does. Okay. And the reason I say that is, I don't think you can discount what Alabama has lost in the last two years. Um, and this is the first time that I that I feel like we can truly say that because <clears throat> you went from you know those those quarterbacks that were just game managers to those dynamic quarterbacks that Alabama's had now in the last few years, and when Saban kind of switched the offense, you know he went with Lane Kiffin <clears throat> and Steve Sarkeesian back to back, and the offenses just became way more dynamic. He started recruiting. Um, even better wide receivers. And he had he had some great ones with Amari Cooper and Julio Jones and guys like that. Yeah. But don't forget Kevin Norwood. Nobody like nobody liked the group that they had a couple years ago. Right. Henry Ruggs, we had four first rounders. Yes. Um, so all those guys are gone. They have great players, but you can't discount the production that they've lost. Najee Harris gone. Mac Jones gone. The Heisman winner gone. Uh, you lost your dy- dynamic offensive coordinator, which I'm. I-, I said when this happened, I did not think Bill O'Brien was going to be better it than Lane Kiffin been so or Sark. Yeah. Um, their offense has not been as productive as it was, and and you got a, co- a quarterback that's really freaking good because he's up for the Heisman already. 
But I'm not putting him, you know, up there with Mac Jones just yet or two or anybody like that. I, I think he has some kinks to work out too. There, he makes some he makes some bad decisions at times. Very talented, but this this Alabama team has a little chink in the armor. I'm not trying to give a bunch of people hope here, but this is not the you know immovable object right. that we've seen in years past. I, I think that they have some holes like they did, I thought, in 2017 mm-hmm. whenever State was able to kind of take advantage of, of their deficiencies on the defensive line and the linebacker. Um, I, I think there, I think some of that is there this year, but I, I don't know if Mississippi State has the offense that makes you feel good about moving up and down the field and scoring points. That, yeah. that 2017 offense was just more physical than Alabama in that game. And they stayed in that ball game because of that. They yeah. ran the ball. They read the read option with with Nick Fitzgerald and Aries Williams, and they just they were able to run the football. They just Alabama, they were just was very surprising. Yeah, and then they took advantage of a couple of big plays in the passing game. Right, but that's off of play action. It feels like for Mississippi State to be able to sort of stay in this game, they're just going to have to hit a couple of big passing plays. They're going to have to get some break, broken tackles. Now, here's the thing for me, and it's maybe this is the what has Alabama failed to do side of the coin. Nick Saban talked about in his Monday press conference about there might be times when they bring four and maybe five guys. Mm-hmm. When you're bringing five, it feels like you're talking about playing man. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of people play in zone with just six defenders back there. So if that's an opportunity there for Mississippi State, they have shown one, one thing Mike Leach and this offense has shown since day one is they can punish man coverage. Yeah. They did it to LSU, and they did it to Georgia last year. And when they've seen man looks, they have been able to consistently find those guys on the crossing routes and find guys deep down the field. When those opportunities present themselves on Saturday, that's where State has to capitalize. The first time they see man coverage, that needs to be a chunk play. That needs to be 25-plus yards for the Bulldogs. If they do that, then they, then you got something cooking there. If, if they don't, if they miss that opportunity, if it's incomplete, if it's dropped, if it, if it ends up the pressure gets home and they get a sack, and it's going to be a long day for Mississippi State because th- this is the – and maybe this is just the old school football guy in me, but I felt like in 2017 State for three and a half quarters imposed their will on Alabama. And then when it counted, Alabama just sort of stood up and said, enough, yeah. we're going to win. Which, is, which this, is how I thought last week was going to play out with A&M. Right. This week, I don't see – I don't see how this team with this offense can impose its will. No, yeah. It's not a physical style of offense. Now, maybe it's just imposing your will because you're just constantly moving the chains, but I feel like that's an uphill battle against Alabama. You know, you've you, got to be able to get some big plays. You mentioned, is it more Mississippi State or more Alabama? I, I think, really, you know, and, and what you want to hear is me t- pick a side, but really you need both things to happen to beat Alabama. Mm-hmm. Texas A&M needed that to happen last week. They needed to get off to a fast start. They did. They didn't make too many mistakes. They had a, uh, a blocked punt, but they didn't make many mistakes. They forced Alabama into some mistakes, and they took advantage of opportunities. you got to get those opportunities early on in the ball game, and you got to stay punch for punch with Alabama and get into the fourth quarter yeah. with a chance. That's, that's, you can't be down 14 You can't go nothing. down 14, 21 yeah. points and expect to win that ball game. Right. There's no, there's no coming back on it. Alabama can come back. There's no yeah. coming back on Alabama. I think Will Rogers is a quarterback that can keep you in that ball game because we, we've seen quarterbacks just kind of unravel against them out there, make a lot of mistakes, and and you just kind of fall apart. I think Will Rogers is, is a guy that 
you want out there because he's going to manage that offense and he's going to take care of the football. That's what you need him to do. But you got to finish when you're in the red zone. And I, I think even field goals can help you. I know a lot of people said in that Ole Miss game, well, uh, they, their only chance was to was to score touchdowns. In hindsight, that's correct. But I, I do think that, that Ole Miss, too, could have gotten some momentum on that opening drive, kicking a field goal. Once you miss it on fourth down right there, mm-hmm. after you've driven it right down the field, right. that's demoralizing. Yeah. I, I I disagree with that to the point. I, I think I Ole Miss too. just needs to take points right there. I think Mississippi State, if they have opportunities to They'll score points, points, they need to take points. I, I agree with that 100%. Because the right. defense, you, you feel good about your defense keeping Alabama out of the end zone and forcing field goals yourself. I agree with that. Uh, you, you, you can't give up those big plays, which Alabama likes to hit sometimes, mm-hmm. but you, yeah, that, you, feel, you feel like you can hold them to some field goals. There's definitely a matchup there of Alabama likes big plays and State gives up big plays. Yeah. I, it's it, – it it really is just one play though. If you're giving up four big plays a game, if you're giving up four plays of forty or more yards, right? If I take one away, that is forty less yards of offense. Mm-hmm. You know that that that's that's a big chunk. And when you're only giving up three hundred, I mean, even if you're giving up four hundred yards a game, that's ten percent. They didn't so. give up a whole lot of big plays against Texas A&M. Two, I mean, they, they gave up those two long runs. Yeah, I mean, I guess um, you can count the Calzada touchdown run. Yeah, that's twenty five yards, I think, but. Three long runs. Yeah. If they had only given up two of them, especially the Calzada play, if Brule makes the play there, the game is I mean, the game is not in doubt at any point. So all right, let's get a little more Alabama perspective here. I talked to my friend uh, Michael Casagrande, the big house. A man who only has one known personality flaw, big skyline chili fan. Don't know how that works, but Ew. I know, right? He's a big Yankees fan though. You should like him. Yeah. Uh that said, let's talk to Mike now and get his thoughts on Alabama, on Mississippi State, and on this game Saturday. So joining me now, as he does basically every year at this time, is my good friend Michael Casagrande from AL.com. You said you were anticipating my text the other day. Is is that accurate? Yeah, it's Mississippi State week. It's time to talk to Brian, so uh, carve out 10 minutes of my my week, and I'm ready to roll. I am a routine. I'm a creature of routine, of habit. And uh, I don't like to change things up. I got a, I got a good Alabama guy. I stick with him. That's that's how I'm gonna I'm gonna work with things. But this is not a routine season uh, for Alabama. Normally, when we have you on, I always make the same joke about, oh, hey, let's talk about Alabama and how great they are, and, and this, that, and the other. And, and this year, you know, we we've got a loss on the schedule at this point that you would normally have uh, have predicted. Going back to last Saturday, did Texas A&M just play their best game when Alabama wasn't at their best? Or are there real flaws in this Alabama team? I think there's a little bit of uh, truth in, in both statements. I think, I mean, I, I hadn't seen too much of Texas A&M, to be honest, uh, just from the way schedules worked out before Saturday. But it didn't look like they were much of an offensive juggernaut. Um, obviously, they two previous weeks, one of them against Mississippi State. You know, those two previous weeks, they they combined to score as many points they scored, you know, a Saturday night against Alabama. So there wasn't much indication that um, that this was coming from Texas A&M quarterback. Obviously, Calzada was left the field in tears after the Mississippi State game. Um, is not necessarily a precursor to somebody who's going to come out and beat Alabama the following week. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it didn't have the feel going into this game. But I think there are also some flaws with this Alabama team that it's it's not it's not the team that it was last year, or some of the previous years. Um, and it's kind of uh, 
it's just this expectation that uh, that every year, no matter how many people they lose, how many coaches, that they're just going to be right there at the top and just presumptive number one. And I think it's starting to catch up that it's just it's just not feasible and not possible every year. When we've talked about Mississippi State and their flaws this year, we've used the word correctable. We've talked about the mistakes that they've made. We feel like, you know, those are things that Mississippi State can get corrected with coaching, with better execution. With Alabama, is it the same? Do you feel like the flaws they have are correctable in season, or is this is there something there personnel-wise that's just lacking? You know, it's a good question, and that's something that I think they're still kind of working on. There are some some definite flaws, and, you know, the, the, the receivers aren't necessarily as dynamic as the ones who – are now first round NFL draft picks and starters in the NFL. So clearly that's, you know, it, it was a lot to expect for these guys to, to be just as good, but um, you know, there are a lot of drops. There's some drops from tight ends. Um, um, you know, there, some coaching questions about some play calling uh, at times that, that Steve Sarkeesian, I think this is kind of a, an indication of just how good of a play caller Steve Sarkeesian was and how he always seemed to really find the right note the last, at least last year for sure. So I, I, I think there are some correctable and some things that, that might be bigger picture. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be more of an interesting season probably moving forward than, than last year's that where he was in the grand scheme of things, not the most interesting, not the most dramatic of seasons because very few games were, were competitive. You know, when I, when I've watched this team this year, there's some games where Bryce Young and that the passing game is clicking, and but then you have a game like against Ole Miss where Brian Robinson was just so dominant. You know, what is the offensive identity of this Alabama team, in your opinion? That's a good question. I think that's something that um, they're still working on as well. Um, you know, at times it's it's taking what the defense gives you, and Ole Miss was dropping more. You know, dropping the the more defensive backs, opening lanes for for rushing the ball, so they did that and. Uh, Brian Robson had a pretty good game against A&M as well. Um, 147 yards, uh, 60 more out of the backfield and in, in receiving. So, uh, you know, there's not as much depth now. They lost Chase McClellan at the Ole Miss game, um, the number two running back. So it's kind of looks like it's pretty much Brian Robinson is taking that, you know, where it was 1A, 1B. It's more of a one with him now. Um, yeah, it, the, the passing game has been – at times, very good. Um, I think the Bryce Young is part of it, and the, the, just the lack of of uh, the big time playmakers like Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddle from a year ago. I think Jamison Williams is clearly the the best receiver, the most dynamic guy coming. The uh, Ohio State transfer had ten catches against A and M, uh, really their go to guy when when they need something explosive, the fastest guy out there. So I, I still think they're kind of working through it, trying to figure out what they are, and um, yeah. Uh, I think there will be a lot of interested eyes on what they come out with against uh, Mississippi State. Even in these these past few years where Alabama has sort of evolved from a a grinded-out offense into more of this explosive, spread-them-out kind of offense, up front is where they've always been dominant. You know, They've always had NFL guys up there. I think they still have those guys, but is this offensive line as a unit as good as it's been in years past? Uh, I mean, it's, it's... probably lost a step from last year, losing a couple first round, first, second round draft picks, um, reshuffling a little bit. And yeah, I, I mean, it's not as dominant. It's not as uh, blowing up everybody. Uh, Mac Jones had a, a clean pocket almost every time he threw the ball last year, it felt like, um, where A&M really got to 
to to Bryce Young Saturday with uh, three sacks uh, in the second quarter alone. So, yeah, it, it was um, it's been kind of an adventure at times with some of the past pro, and it's not all offensive line. It's you know there's some some schematics, some um, you know decisions, some checks that that check out of uh, protection, and they bring a blitz, and he gets overwhelmed. Uh, you know, it's a numbers game. So sometimes there are, are enough guys to block everybody. Uh, so, you know, there's some good defense as well. Uh, and there's so many different factors that go into things like that. But it's it's overall, it's not as strong definitely as it had been in the past few years. When you play Mississippi State, this is the question you sort of have to ask. But the Alabama secondary, I know there's talent there, but A&M was able to make some plays in the passing game last week, which is something that they, nobody expected them to be able to do. You know, how is that Alabama secondary? Are they ready for for about fifty to sixty pass attempts? Yeah, no, it's it's coming hot and cold. It's good and bad. Uh, they lost starter uh, Malachi Moore on the third play of the game to a targeting flag, so I, I can't imagine that helped. Uh, matters when you're when you're going five six dbs in a you know nickel dime packages so uh having him back will certainly be you know a plus for them um but yeah it's they haven't faced a true uh you know Ole Miss through it quite a bit not maybe as much as much as mississippi state will so yeah it, it's it'll be a big test for them i don't know if they've seen someone who throws the you know the, the run pass mix as is as focused on the pass. So, yeah, it, it'll be an interesting test. There's a question that everybody's sort of asking. I mean, Alabama, you know, back-to-back losses in the Nick Saban era has not happened very often. I don't think, and you correct me if I'm wrong, because you would certainly know better, 2013, I think, mm-hmm. the last time that it happened. And that's, that, that was a, you know, Iron Bowl and then a bowl game. So, we're you know, in the regular season, I, I think I, you might have to go back to Saban's first year uh, to yeah. see that happening. But what happens if Alabama comes over here and finds and finds themselves on the on the wrong end of the result? I'm not I'm not going to get into you know saving in trouble or anything like that. But what what's the mindset? What's the, what's the the reaction to that in in Tuscaloosa? Well, the reaction of losing one straight wasn't very very good. <laughs> so, right about that. Um, a second straight, yeah. I mean, it's truly I've covered the team for 12 years, and that was the only time it ever happened was in that 2013 season. Mm-hmm. So I'm a little bit out of my range here and how how Alabama handles um, back-to-back in-season losses. So uh, you might want to check with another Alabama guy who might have a better insight on that one. Yeah, Cecil's number. He's probably the only sure. one, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's, that's, it's an interesting situation because, honestly, Michael, I mean, two, three weeks ago when State lost to Memphis, you said set this line and give me a percentage. I'd have said, you know, Alabama by 31 and 1%, you know, if Alabama does everything wrong. And whereas now, with the way State played against A&M versus the way Alabama did, I feel like there's a puncher's chance for Mississippi State. From your perspective, coming over here on Saturday, is there a what, what percentage chance would you give Mississippi State to have the chance to pull an upset? Yeah, it's a good question. I need to watch. Maybe you see. I haven't seen much of them. It's kind of the thing with these covering these games is that I don't really see as much college football as probably a lot of people would yeah. think I do, uh, or you know. But, other beat writers were just you haven't Alabama hasn't had a bye week yet where you can sit at the house and just right. watch college football in a day. Yeah, just, we're either driving to a game, at a game, working late at a game, and it just yeah. sort of you don't really see that much. So I haven't seen that much. I mean, the last, I mean, Mississippi State last year coming to Tuscaloosa that was not the most impressive performance. So that was kind of the last real taste I had of Mississippi State getting shut out and not really putting up much of a fight. So uh, I'd have to see more of what they're doing this year to know, you know, to have a better idea of 
what I'm expecting from them Saturday, but you know, feels feels like the state's going to have to play pretty close to perfect to have a chance to win. Even if Alabama plays its best game, uh, then I don't know how much chance state really has. So we'll see. We'll see what happens on Saturday. Michael Casagrande, AL.com. Always a great pleasure to talk to you, man. I'll see you on Saturday in the press box. Great. Looking forward to it. All right. Thanks to Michael. Appreciate his time as always. Really good stuff uh, from him. And, you know, he says it too. He's like this Alabama team, like you just said, there's a flaw. You know, there, there's something about them this year that makes them a little more vulnerable than years past. We'll see if uh, Mississippi State can exploit it. All right, let's move on into the second half of the show, and that should be a fun part for you guys. And that's brought to you by our good friends at the Mississippi Beef Council. Don't forget, I mean, it's going to be chilly this weekend, man. So when it's chilly, it's chilly. It's time for chili. And if you don't have a great chili recipe, you can go to msbeef.org, and they've got all sorts of great recipes there, not only for chili, but for things like beef stew and vegetable beef soup, anything that will warm your bones. It's supposed to be in the 40s, you know? 40s uh, Saturday night. So if you're sitting at home, that's that's a great idea. And don't forget, guys, beef is such a huge part of everything we do here in the state of Mississippi. We are an agricultural state. Mississippi State is an agricultural university, and our beef providers are a big part of that. 15,000 beef providers in this, beef producers in this state, a value of nearly $500 million to our state's economy. And it's all good stuff, man. Nothing beats the sizzle of beef on the grill. You need to get some on the grill soon. This is a great weekend for grilling. You know, if you're not coming to the game, you got all day to do so. And then Saturday, hey, I don't know about or Sunday, you know, the Saints are off. So that's that's a that's a day. I'm cooking some beef this weekend. Nice. I'm doing uh, doing some doing uh some pasta. I'm I'm gonna do a short rib uh ragu where you cook short ribs in the sauce for like four hours and then just break down and then it's all tender. Oh, it's gonna be fantastic. Sounds good. I can't wait. I can't wait. So you get to the store, grab some beef, because you know what? Beef, it's what's for dinner. Two Brothers Smoked Meats. I mean, if you don't want to cook, I know where to send you. And that's Two Brothers Smoked Meats. They will be hopping this weekend. Head over to the Cotton District. Grab a seat out there on the patio. Maybe wear a fleece. And grab some fantastic food. Smoked wings, tacos, nachos, and the best barbecue sandwiches and burgers you'll ever have. Great stuff. I can't. I can never recommend it enough. If somebody says, "Brian, where should we go to eat?" I'm always going to say Two Brothers, and that's the place to go. Two Brothers Smoked Meats in the heart of the Cotton District. Advantage Business Systems wants to take care of you with a two-way plan. They're going to bring you a, a selection of products that your business needs. Everything from a technological standpoint: copiers, printers, computers, office software, mailing systems. Everything you need, they've got it. And then every sale, every sale comes with the kind of customer service you'd expect to get doing business with your next-door neighbor, which is what Advantage Business Systems is. They are your next-door neighbor. They live in the same state as you. They live in Mississippi, they work in Mississippi, and they're working for Mississippi. Give them a call today. Find out how they can help you. That number is 601-362-9192, or visit them online at absms.com. Find out how Advantage Business Systems will help your business do business. It has been 14 years since Mississippi State has been able to defeat the Alabama Crimson Tide on a sun-drenched day in mid-November of November of 2007, one of the great all-time games in Mississippi State history uh, as the Bulldogs take down Nick Saban and the Crimson Tide 17-12 in front of a huge crowd at Davis-Wade Stadium. Robbie and I will talk about this game a little bit more after this interview. I caught up earlier with Jamar Chaney 
who was a linebacker on that team, now an assistant coach here at Mississippi State, to relive that fantastic day and uh, to talk about what it meant to beat Alabama back then. So let's look back at the last time Mississippi State was able to beat Alabama with a man who was on the field that day, Jamar Chaney, now uh, on the MSU coaching staff, but of course a linebacker uh, for the Bulldogs at that time. Jamar, first of all, great to have you on the podcast, man. I know we've been trying to get you on uh, in, in the past. Glad to you haven't had you back on since you've come back home. But, well, I guess we'll start with there. You know, how's it feel to be back at Mississippi State? Man, it feels good, man. Actually, uh, I haven't. When I got hired, my first, my last time coming back was 2000, I think, uh, 14. And uh, that was just for a game. So, you know, I, you know how, how that is. You know, you know, come to the game and things like that. Might hang out with the team a little bit, but you never really see nothing uh, on campus or, you know, Starkville in general. You're kind of like in and out. But mm-hmm. just being back, man, seeing, you know, how it has grown, man, and uh, seeing familiar places and, and uh, just people remembering you from your playing days and things like that, man, it's, it, it, it's crazy, man. And, uh it brought back a lot of memories. So let's talk about one of those memories. Let's talk about this 2007 Alabama game. And one one advantage you guys had that this Mississippi State team this weekend doesn't have is you guys had beaten Alabama the year before. You had gone into Tuscaloosa and pulled off one of the biggest upset wins of Coach Croom's tenure there. You know, going into that week of playing Alabama, you know that if you win this game, you're going to be bowl eligible for the first time uh, in, in quite a long time. You know that there's going to be a big crowd, and, and this is Nick Saban's you know, uh, is, is now the head coach at Alabama. What was the team's mentality that week? I mean, you just know, I mean, you know the history and all that about Alabama, but, I mean, I mean, it was big for us, too, just because, I mean, uh, Coach Coach Krum, you know, he, play, he played at Alabama, you know, so it was a special game to him. And just like you said, uh, just realizing, uh, you know, we were going to be bowl eligible for the first time in a while that we were to win that game, and uh, we didn't want to chance anything, but – I mean, that was just our mindset the whole the whole year. I think we were pretty good on defense that year, and uh, that was just our mindset going into the game. I mean, we're gonna uh, try to we're gonna be in every game because of our you know our defense. So we're gonna go out there and uh, you know you know play hard. So that that kind of was our mindset, you know, in that game. You know, so you you kind of hit on something there too with, with Coach Croom because I think that everybody realized what what the Alabama game meant to him being a former Alabama player and coach and, and, you know, having been up for that job a, a few a few years earlier, was his message to you guys different during Alabama week than it was for other weeks in the year? I don't think so. I mean, he, you know, you know how it is. I mean, you, you, and, and coach, you know, you try to keep, Hey man, you, you playing everybody, that, you know, the same. I mean, you don't want to never uh, get too high on the team or get too long team. I mean, like coach Lee say, respect anyone, fear no one. So you want to take that kind of mindset into every game, you know, but, uh, we knew it as players. We knew that, you know, he played there. He coached there. He was up for the job there. It's very uh, important game for him. I think he's actually from Alabama. I mean, I know he resides there now in, in Mobile. So, I mean, it's a lot of history on his side uh, with that program. And we know how much, it, you know, it meant to him. And, and when things like that happen, you, you know, you try to give you all. Get, give a little extra. We're going to go out there and play hard regardless. But, you know, give a little extra when you know how much it means, you know, to your, uh, your head coach. One of the players that plays a big role, not only in this game, but in this season for you guys is Wes Carroll. And, you know, obviously, you know, his career, you know, after 2008, he transfers out. And he's a guy that I don't think MSU fans know a ton about. You know, this was before social media was was a big thing. And, you know, you didn't really get a chance to know him because he was just a freshman. What kind of, of guy and what kind of leader was Wes Carroll? 
I mean, he was a good leader. I mean, he was a smart guy. He knew the offense. He knew exactly, you know, how Coach Kuhn and Coach McCorvey wanted to run the offense. And, and one thing, like I said, I think we were pretty – Mississippi State's always been good on defense, you know, and we were pretty good there. We were pretty confident. And I think one thing that he did was uh, he gained the trust, you know, of, of the defense, I mean, in the, in the team because he didn't really make mistakes when he got back there. I mean, he's going to make the right play. He's going to throw the check down. He's not going to, you know, force anything. You know, he's just going to – play a good side of the game and give us a chance to be in it and win the game at the end, you know. So I think that's kind of how he, you know, gained the trust of, of the team. One thing I've always kind of laughed at, Jamar, is he, he came into that game needing to complete or just throw one pass without an interception to tie the, uh, the, uh, the national record for passes by a freshman without an interception. And then his first pass, he got intercepted. I've always, <laughs> I've, I've always laughed about that. It's like Coach Cream could have just called a little screen pass there, just, just get, him a, get him something. But he ended up throwing an interception. You know, that game starts out, you know, Alabama is driving, is moving the football a little bit, but they can't put it in the end zone. So it's 9 nothing. Then you guys get a field goal with about four minutes left on the clock in the first half. And that's when Alabama gets the ball and starts to drive down and it leads to what I'll just refer to as the play. Now, I've been in that stadium a lot of times. I've seen a lot of touchdowns. I've seen a lot of big plays. And even now, with the stadium expanded, I mean, there's, what, 10,000 more seats plus than there was when this game happened. But I've never heard it louder than when that ball was picked off. Picked off, And then the crowd, as, he, as he's running, and you have that moment where you realize he's gone. So you're on the field. What was that? Oh, yeah. Let's discuss. We have to talk about it. What was that moment like uh, for you? I mean, it was a crazy moment. I actually, you know, uh, was running with him the whole time yeah. when he when he when he caught the ball. But uh, who knew you had that kind of speed? By the way, Jay? <laughs> well, that was my game speed, man. I was, I was, <laughs> I, 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 but uh, yeah, the, the the moment was crazy. I mean, uh, kind of get lost in that. I mean, moment is uh, you know, Tyus Brown. He got some pressure off the edge. Just about and, to and, ask and, about and, him. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and he and he forced up, and we and that's another thing about the Alabama game. I mean, he's from Tuscaloosa. You know, Tyus was a. Uh, uh, Man, big time team guy. Everybody on the team loved him, funny, you know. And he was from Tuscaloosa, you know. So and he he didn't get to have an offer from Alabama, you know. So that game was really important to him as well. But uh, he got big time pressure on that play and uh, forced the quarterback to make a quick decision. And uh, Anthony Johnson, man, who is out, who I think is one of our best players, you know, uh, on the team. I mean, he made some great plays, you know, here while he was here uh, and mm -hmm. just make a heck of a play. And uh, the rest is history, man. Uh, and, and you're right, man. You can. It, it, it's kind of. It was loud in the stadium, but when you're on the field, it, it seemed like it went kind of silent. You know, uh, as he was running, you know, uh, down that field on my end, at least. Right. I just and, 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 and I and then I, and I didn't feel how loud it was until we until he actually made it to the end zone. Yeah, I, I remember from my end, you know, from where I was sitting, there was an Alabama player who I thought had the angle to stop him, and then I realized that guy's number was like 68. And there was no chance he was catching Anthony Johnson. And, yeah, and you're right. I mean, it was so loud that you lose track of how loud it is in your head. And and so that that's something. When you is that one of those things that you can just sort of go back there when you think about it and get still get the goosebumps? Oh yeah, most definitely. I mean, like I mean that play and you know the one that uh we made right before the half or the year before, you know, mm -hmm. uh, stopping them on the goal right, line. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So those, I mean, those kind of plays, you know, like that, they st they stand out, uh, especially in that moment, and you able to win that game as well. Titus Brown, you you mentioned him, and uh, to me, that's the, sort of like the quintessential Sylvester Croom player, a guy who you know had no offers other than Mississippi State, 
Nobody really knew what to expect of him. Played and was great as a true freshman. Played three different positions. Was willing to go wherever. Was was he the unquestioned leader of the defense at that point? I would think so. I mean, he, he like you said, he's a guy that, I mean, ever since he stepped foot on campus, I mean, he made a huge impact. You know, he was our best pass rusher. I mean, like I said, he's a guy that uh, – Knows when to, you know, be serious, but he's yeah. also got it. Everybody loves to be around because he's always joking, always smiling. And, uh, actually had a, a pretty, you know, decent, uh, uh, good NFL career. Yeah. Uh, got, got a couple years in there, man. So, yeah, he's definitely a guy that was one of our leads, man. One of the guys we look to, and, uh, especially in those situations, uh, get pressure on the quarterback, man. It, it, he's a guy that was hard to block one-on-one and, uh, he had a killer spin move. So, yeah, I mean, he definitely was one of our guys that we, uh, look to. So you go into the locker room 10-9, and then you come out in the second half, the kickoff, you kick off to Alabama, and then immediately Derek Pegues picks off a pass, and you drive down and, and make it 17-9 with a touchdown with Anthony Dixon going into the end zone. At that point, you know, knowing how good your defense had been all year, was that the feeling like, we've got them, the game's over now, they're, they're not scoring twice on us? Yeah, that's the feeling. I mean, I, I don't think we say we got him, but I mean, it's kind of like okay. I mean, if we lose this game, it's on us. So we better go out there, and, you know, do our job and make sure we 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 uh we keep the pressure on them. And, and that's what we try to do the rest of the game is just keep the pressure on them. Uh, and like you said, I mean, I, I I can't remember the number, but I mean, we won what eight games that year, I think. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. And probably in five of those games, five or six of those games, we we scored a touchdown on defense. You know, yeah, so yeah, we, yeah. We, our, our special teams, one of the two, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, we were really good at, at getting the ball in the end zone, but you're right. I mean, DP, uh, Derek Pease come out there and make a big play like that, and we just got just tried to keep the pressure, you know, uh, on them the rest of the game. And, and this game was almost a blowout because I think uh, late in the third quarter, Alabama fumbles and Pegues, he's going to fall on it at the 25, I think, and the ball just squirts out from underneath him and goes out of bounds, and Alabama's able to keep the ball. But you're about to take over first and 10 r- right there. So, I mean – I guess my, my question is this. You know, this, this Alabama team, obviously we've seen what Nick Saban has, has become since then, but this Alabama team in particular, you know, was it did it did it feel like beating Alabama? I guess that's my question. Is did it feel is it the same as what somebody would say beating Alabama is like today? Is beating Alabama when you beat them, it feels the same regardless? Uh, I, like I said, I think it's not a great situation. question. I'm sorry, Jamal, but I, I couldn't, I couldn't get it all out there, but I got you. I, I, I think this, the, the, what made it big for us. I mean, Nick said he had a national championship already too, yeah. you know, uh, but what made it big for us, I think too, and that meant uh, was Sylvester was coach Croom, you know, being playing there, coaching there up for the job there. Uh, and like I said, one of our leaders, you know, one of the, the captains on the team, Titus Brown was, uh, you know, was from Tuscaloosa, so he in the same hometown as uh, Alabama. And we had another, we had a lot of other guys from Alabama on the team, but mm-hmm. that's what made it, I think, so big. I don't think it's what it is. I, yeah, it's a little different now, I think, just because that was Saban's first year. Yeah. And he don't, I, I forget, I mean, he don't want like five championships since then. So it, it's yeah. a little different now, I think, like beating them because they don't lose a lot, you know. So, I mean, I mean, it, 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 I think to answer that question, I think it is a little different now beating them than back then just because, I mean. Yeah. When, when you go into the locker room after this game, what, what is that like? It's just a lot of excitement. I mean, after, after a big win, you know, you uh, 
I mean, Coach Lee said it all the time, you prepare all week for a team or uh, to beat a team. You don't just beat them that day. Uh, so, I mean, just all the preparation, things like that that you have done throughout the week. And then, like you said, that game being a, a game where we actually, you know, clinched uh, bowl eligibility. I mean, that was, you know, all the off-season workouts, winter workouts, summer workouts, uh, spring ball, fall camp, you know, all those things. I mean, for a team that hadn't been to a bowl game in a while, I mean, that was a big accomplishment. So, I mean, excitement, it was it was a lot of uh, excitement in the locker room. When you think about this season, to me, there you know, this was a year where you beat Auburn, you beat Alabama, and you beat Ole Miss. Of those three games, which one stands out to you the most? I mean, being at Mississippi State is always going to be the Ole Miss game. I think. <laughs> <laughs> That's just, I mean, and that kind of grew on me because I'm from Florida, but I mean, yeah. I mean, I, the old Miss game stands above all. And, and just how we wanted that year, I mean, coming back, you know, from yeah. uh, pretty much they pretty much, you know, was handed it to us the whole game until like probably, what, seven minutes in the fourth quarter or something yeah. like that. So uh, that's always going to uh, be a big one to win that game in this state, to me at least. I got you. I, if we ever wanted to come back uh, and do a show on your hit of Shea Hodge, we could spend 30 minutes. Maybe <laughs> talking about you cleaning him out that day. So, Jamar Chaney, man, thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me. Hail State. All right, thanks to Jamar. Really great to, to relive that game with him. I assume this is a game you were at. Oh, absolutely. I was in the so, student section. That was my freshman year. Okay, and I, I was I was sitting on about the 40 on the, uh, I guess it's the east side behind the Alabama team. I was on the 10. Okay. I was I was right. Oh, you're right there where the pass is. I was off. yeah because the student section. I think the I think the band got moved a little bit. They were in. They should have been in the uh, the end zone. At this yeah. Point. So yeah. we so the student section was right there. Yeah. On that on the east side. Yeah. On the, about the from the goal line all the way to the thirty or something like that. Right. And so I was about four rows up. About you know, I, I felt like I was eye level with. Yeah. With the offense um, on that play when Anthony Johnson picked it off, I watched him come right in front of me mm-hmm. and take it to the house. And I still think that was the loudest. The That's what I ever said been. in the interview. That yeah, even since the expansion, yeah, the only, the the two plays I would put up there are that play and Jonathan Banks pick six against Florida. Yep, I feel like I'm uh, biased on Banks. Because I was sitting under the overhang of the west side. So all the noise sort of gets trapped in there. Right. But this one, I mean, I can remember how loud it was and how it rose. Every, I mean, every 10 yards it got louder. And I, as I said to Jamar, you know, from my vantage point, there was an Alabama player that looked like they had the angle. And I was like, okay, they're going to get him. And then I saw the number. It was like 68. I was yeah. like, no, no. <laughs> that guy with two knee braces? No, he's not getting Anthony Johnson. Is there a, you know, Anthony Johnson sort of gets lost in this, this – there's a couple of guys in this game that sort of get lost in the sands of time because they, they, they didn't really do much after this, after this season and for different reasons. Anthony Johnson and Wes Carroll. Uh, Wes Carroll is, is always an enigma to me. You know what's interesting about that? Mm. Coming into this game, he was – about to break the NCAA record for attempts without interception. All they got to do is dump it off. <laughs> he tied it, I think, and then threw an interception. What wasn't it? Wasn't it Gundy that had the record? Yes, Mike Gundy. State? He's a man. Okay, so 
I think I'm pretty sure he tied the record, mm-hmm. and on the next pass he threw an interception. Threw an interception, yeah. And I remember thinking, like, how do you not get him the? Oh record? my god, just throw it out of bounds. Like first down, dump off. Second down, screen pass, and just get, there's the record. Yeah, but a- after after that first half, the really the game really was not all that exciting. It was like seventeen well, ten. Well, it was ten nine at the half. Okay, and then state on the first possession uh, intercepts. John Parker Wilson and scores to make it seventeen to nine. Bama gets one more field goal, and then there's a play that gets forgotten. And I brought it up in the interview, which is in the late in the third quarter, Alabama dumps it off to the tight end, and Keith, Keith Fitzhugh forces a fumble. Yeah, and Pegues goes to, to dive on it, and the ball gets away and goes out of bounds. State could have put up another touchdown there, and this game would have been a blowout. Yeah, but as it was, you sort of had to sweat those last few minutes. Anthony Johnson, Wes Carroll. There's a lot of, you know, because Kroom takes some heat, and I don't want to go too far down the road on a day where we're living maybe his biggest win, but a lot of his players sort of get lost in the shuffle of Bulldog greats. Yeah. Anthony Johnson is one, West Carolina. Titus, Titus Brown, Brown is one. Game-ending sack. Yeah. Um, and and they, he also had the he put the pressure on Wilson on the On pick. the interception, yeah. Like, they roll out, and somehow the game plan was don't block Titus Brown. The best player state has. Those were those were guys. Not many of those guys went to the NFL. Titus Brown did. I know, yeah, but not many of his guys went to the NFL. They were just good, hard nosed college football players. Yeah, um, and that they were what Coach Croom wanted to have. Right. And it's so strange how that tenure ended because that game was like, okay, this this program well, is really moving forward here. I will never forget that the off season after that because they because they did that they beat Ole Miss. They win the ball game. They're eight and five. And I remember looking at the schedule next year. And first off, my first thoughts with Ole Miss were like, I don't care that they have Houston Nutt. They're still not a good team. Right. And I was looking at the schedule like they should win nine games next year. And then you know you lose Anthony Johnson and you lose Michael Brown. So you and then that was an NFL tackle. Yeah. You needlessly created a quarterback controversy with Carroll and Tyson Lee instead of just saying, okay, West Carroll's a freshman who took us to a bowl game. Yeah. He's the guy. It's just and, strange how all that went down because, yeah. and then Jamar Chaney gets hurt in the first game. Yeah, against, you know Louisiana. That Tech first game. game was really what ruined it the whole a, season. It, well, you, 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 Derek Pegues was out. I was out because he was academically ineligible, and he wouldn't have fumbled those punts. No, Jamar Chaney gets hurt. I mean, it's just it was just a perfect storm, and it went. But that just, 07 season had so many big wins. You went to Auburn and won a ball game. You went to you came home, beat Alabama, yeah. beat Ole Miss. Something Jamar brings up in the interview though is. That season is kind of an outlier because what what are they all having? What happened in Auburn? Pick six. Yep. What happened in Alabama? Pick six. What happened in Ole Miss? You had a uh, punt return for a touchdown. Uh, Tulane, you had a punt return or an interception for a touchdown in a game that you won. I mean, you can't rely on that many defensive touchdowns. Yeah. And then in the bowl game, you didn't have a touchdown, but I think Fitzhugh or, or Piggies, one of them picked off a pass and took it down to like the five. Oh, that so. bowl game was was just wretched. One of the worst football games you've ever seen. But I was, I was hammered, and I was enjoying myself. Nobody uh, nobody cared because you finally got back to the bowl game. Freezing cold, too. Yes, and it was that was a great crowd, too, for that. It was packed. It was almost all Mississippi all the State Central, fans. Well, the Central Florida fans that showed up thought they were going to win easy. Yes. They thought Kevin Smith was going to break Barry Sanders' record, and State held him to like 40 yards or something. So, But another thing that's interesting about this game, that, that play that happened mm-hmm. right before the half, mm-hmm. the year before – Jamar Chaney helped get a goal line stand at Tuscaloosa. Yeah. yeah. So two straight seasons, you stopped them right before the half. That's pretty much why you won the ball game. Exactly. So. Because the, that's a 
That is a a seven point turnaround the year before. It's a fourteen, a 14 point, point turnaround, turnaround yeah. that season in 07. State needs a play like that on Saturday. Got to have it. So we'll you got to have some plays like that. Will they get them? We'll find out. We'll talk about that tomorrow. Three P's uh, for Mississippi State and Alabama. Hope you guys enjoyed that interview with Jamar Cheney. It will also be up separately on the podcast feed as well. Guys, have a great Thursday. Robbie and I will be back with you on Friday. For Robbie Falk, I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks for listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.